Hey everybody, it's Jake Heller back again for another episode of Jake's Take. I appreciate you guys tuning in once again. Tonight is a very special night for NASCAR as the regular season concludes at the Daytona International Speedway, the place where it all began back on Valentine's Day. 15 of the 16 spots in the 2021 NASCAR Cup Series playoff field have been clinched. Who gets that coveted 16th and final spot and who gets left out of the playoffs? Obviously, I'm going to be discussing that and previewing tonight's race. The NASCAR Xfinity Series, 19 laps on the board last night before rain rolled in. That race will be resuming at 1230 on NBCSN, going to give my take on who I think is going to go to victory lane in that race as well. No pun intended. A recap of Sunday's cup race at Michigan International Speedway as well. So let's get right into it, folks. Yesterday, approximately 5 o'clock in the afternoon, another one of NASCAR's worst-kept secrets in the garage area finally became official. We all remember Brad Keselowski, all the talk about him going over to Rash Fenway Racing in 2022 to not only drive but become a partial owner. Back in February, Kurt Busch, just five days after the Super Bowl and two days before the Daytona 500, posted a very cryptic video. And in this video... He has none other than Rob Gronkowski, who came out of retirement before the 2020 season to rejoin Tom Brady, but this time with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Obviously, we all know the story. They win the Super Bowl 31-9 over the Kansas City Chiefs, the first ever NFL team to win the Super Bowl in their own stadium. So in this video... Gronk is talking to Kurt Busch and he's talking about, you know, how much fun it is coming out of retirement and so on and so forth. The connection that the two of them have, they have endorsement deals with Monster Energy Drink. And Monster has been Kurt Busch's primary sponsor, I would say, since about 2018. Now, you do the math. Kurt Busch, at the end of this video, he's getting on a plane and he talks about, he says the words, it's been quite a ride. And you do the math in your head, this is his 21st full-time season, our 2004 NASCAR Cup Series champion. He was getting ready to turn 43 years old on August 4th, and it was a contract year with Chip Ganassi Racing. So you're thinking, he says, it's been quite a ride. You're thinking this is going to be his final season, at least his final full-time season. A couple months roll on, and this fake NASCAR account, posted a picture of Kurt Busch and was saying, breaking news, Kurt Busch will retire as a full-time Cup Series driver at the end of 2021. And Kurt posted a GIF on Twitter, and it was Leonardo DiCaprio in Wolf of Wall Street as Jordan Belfort. It was that scene where he has the microphone and he says, I'm not leaving. I'm not fucking leaving. And... He has done so much work with NASCAR, getting this next-gen car ready for 2022. The next-gen car, it was supposed to debut this year, but obviously COVID-19 definitely put a damper on that. And Kurt, more than any other driver in the Cup Series, has been testing that next-gen car nonstop for NASCAR, especially at Charlotte Motor Speedway. So then... Michael Jordan gets involved in the sport this year. Pitbull gets involved in the sport. Arguably the greatest NBA player there's ever been. Linking up with Denny Hamlin. Him and Denny have had a great friendship for well over a decade. 23XI. 23, Michael Jordan's number. XI. That's 11 in Roman numerals. Denny Hamlin's number. Of course, they hired Bubba Wallace to drive the 23 car this year. And I'm sure people somewhat remember... 
Michael Jordan, at the height of his career, in 1993, when the Chicago Bulls, when they three-peated for the first time, 91, 92, 93. About a month or so after that happened, Michael's father was tragically killed. And he stepped away from basketball. Had that brief stint with the the AAA team for the Chicago White Sox, obviously. That was a bit of a disaster. And then March of 1995 rolls around. And we all remember that infamous fax that Michael Jordan sent. Two words, I'm back. And when he returned to the Chicago Bulls and to the NBA, his number was 45. So yesterday, approximately 5 o'clock in the afternoon, 23XI announced that they will be expanding to two teams next year. And that second driver and that second team is Kurt Busch, driver of the number 45 Monster Energy Toyota Camry. This will be his 23rd full-time season, well, 22nd full-time season, excuse me, in the NASCAR Cup Series, following a three-year stint with Chip Ganassi Racing. As we know, Chip Ganassi is selling the team to Pitbull, Justin Marks, and Trackhouse Racing, and they decided to keep Ross Chastain instead of Kurt Busch with the number one car. And here we are, the 2004 Cup Series champion, 33 cup wins, 326 top 10 finishes throughout his career. And Kurt said, I cannot begin to express my gratitude for this opportunity. Racing to win is what I live for. Helping to continue developing a new team alongside Michael Jordan, Denny Hamlin, and Toyota is exactly what I want to be a part of. Winning is important to 23XI, it's important to Monster Energy, and it's important to me. This is our goal. And Denny Hamlin himself said, when we started this team, our vision was to grow as a multi-car organization. To be able to expand in just our second year is a huge step for us. Kurt brings a wealth of knowledge and a championship mindset to our team and will be able to help us grow stronger and more competitive each and every week. And Denny is really spot on in that statement right there. A championship mindset driver and Kurt bringing a wealth of knowledge. Like I said, full-time in the Cup Series since 2001. And what's so special about Kurt Busch, think about this for a second, folks. This guy has won with nine different crew chiefs. Nine different crew chiefs. Jimmy Fenning, when they won the championship together in 2004. And then, of course, when he was fired from Roush because of his outburst, goes to drive for Roger Penske, he won with Roy McCauley before Roy had to step down off the pit box because his wife had leukemia. Pat Trison, another old-school crew chief, just like Jimmy Fenning, when Roy had an engineering background. Steve Addington, who was working with little brother Kyle. Steve got fired when they missed the chase in 2009. Roger Penske and Kurt Busch, they picked him up immediately. They won races together. And then, of course, Kurt's outburst, that cost him his job at Penske. He goes over to Stuart Haas Racing in 2014. Tony Stewart, Gene Haas, they give him a second chance. Winning with Daniel Canost at Martinsville Speedway. Once again, an engineer background. And the two of them really didn't mesh that well. When I look at Kurt Busch, Kurt reminds me a lot of Dale Earnhardt Jr. In a sense that he worked better with old school crew chiefs compared to engineering crew chiefs. And what I mean by that is you look at Jimmy Fenning, old school. Tony Gibson, old school. Matt McCall, I mean, his current crew chief, you know, Matt was a racer himself. You look at Dale Earnhardt Jr., who were the crew chiefs he was most successful with? His uncle, Tony Uri Sr., Steve Latart. Guys that did not have engineering backgrounds in contrast to Martin Trex Jr. 
Look at Martin Shrex Jr. I mean, yeah, him and Kevin Bono Mannion, they that was who was Martin's crew chief for his first cup win at Dover in the spring of 2007. But in reality, Martin has done better with crew chiefs that have engineering backgrounds. Cole Pern, they won the 2017 championship together. And then when Cole decided at the end of 2019 that he wanted to step down and spend more time with his family, sure enough, who was promoted to crew chief? James Small, who was the engineer for Martin Trex Jr. all these years. And look at the success that they've had this year. So Kurt, like I said, in a lot of ways, he's better with old school crew chiefs. So getting back to what I was saying, Tony Gibson. And Tony, Tony was really able to straighten Kurt Busch out when it seemed like nobody else could. But then, of course, with Tony, like I said, being old school, being involved in the sport for so many years and some health issues here and there, you know, he decided to eventually step down off the pit box, spend more time with his wife, his kids and his grandkids. And Tony was suspended for the June 2016 Pocono race. And Johnny Klossmeyer, who was the engineer on that car, sure enough, that was the crew chief that day when Kurt went to victory lane at Pocono. And when Tony Gibson finally decided that it was time to step down from the pit box, he won with Billy Scott, engineering background once again, and then going over to Chip Ganassi in 2019 and winning with Matt McCall when he wasn't able to find victory lane with Jamie McMurray. So think about that for a second. A perfect 10. I don't know who Kurt Busch's crew chief is going to be next year. Obviously, I doubt it's going to be Matt McCall. I'm sure it remains to be seen if that will be Ross Chastain's crew chief or Phil Surgeon, his real crew chief. Right now, if that's going to be who it is, but I would imagine that Kurt Busch is going to get a different crew chief. And like I said, to close out your career winning with 10 different crew chiefs. And also, like I said, 23XI, it's sort of like a Gibbs team. So you get to end your career as somewhat of a teammate to your younger brother, Kyle. And of course, we know about the success that Kyle, Joe Gibbs Racing, and Toyota have had together these past 13 years. So obviously, Jason Boone. Being a big, big Chicago Bulls fan, I mean, I have not heard him this excited like he was yesterday. And Boone said it himself. He said, dark horse championship pick next year, without a doubt. You know, Kurt, like I said, no matter if it was with Roush, Penske, Stuart Haas Racing, Chip Ganassi Racing, he has definitely done a better job in those cars than who was in them before him and who was in them after him. The only exception, of course, I guess you could say, is Brad Keselowski. You know, when when they moved Kurt from the 2 to the 22 because Miller Lite felt like Brad Keselowski fit their demographic better. And, of course, because Brad was Brad's very level-headed compared to the way that Kurt used to be back then. I mean, really, that was probably the only exception where someone got in a car that Kurt Busch drove and ended up doing a better job. I mean, like I said, Jamie McMurray, when he went to Roush and he took over Kurt Busch's car, seven races in, they were having to change crew chiefs. Okay? And then you look at Stuart Haas. Look at how much of a train wreck the 41 team has been ever since then. One year with Daniel Suarez, a horrible year this year with Cole Custer. And like I said, you know, Jamie McMurray, that one car never got... Never got to victory lane the last five years of Jamie's career. Kurt gets in it and halfway through the season gets them a win at Kentucky Speedway and helps Matt McCall become a winning crew chief. So definitely, like I said, I think this is big for 23XI. I think it's big for Bubba Wallace too. You know, Kurt has already said that he's going to 
reach out to Bubba. He's going to be like a mentor to him and help him become a better race car driver. So like I said, this is a win-win for everyone. Kurt Busch, Bubba Wallace, Denny Hamlin, Michael Jordan. Definitely awesome. And it's great to see the 45 back in the sport. As we know, that was supposed to be Adam Petty's number when Adam was killed tragically at New Hampshire in May of 2000, practicing for the Busch Series race up there. And his father, Kyle, he drove that 45 the last seven years of his career before retiring at the end of 2008. So definitely cool. Like I said, there was some talk about, you know, maybe they might reverse the numbers and it might be 32. But like myself and Jason Boone said, like, it was only fitting that the second number would be 45. That, like I said, that brief, brief stint when Michael Jordan had the 45 when he came out of retirement for the first time in March of 1995. The only thing I don't like about this was when they unveiled the paint scheme, the freaking numbers were moved forward. It looked absolutely ugly. Like, you go online and you look at a picture of Kurt Busch's 2022 Monster Energy Camry, you get this little tiny 45, like, towards the front fenders, and this giant Monster Energy logo. So that pretty much made it official that NASCAR is moving the numbers forward what a train wreck. And I saw some I saw some designs on Twitter moving the number forward just a couple inches. That would have been fine. But like I said, moving it all the way to the front and making the number so tiny and these giant, as I said, these giant sponsorship logos taking up a majority of the door and the quarter panels, it looks absolutely freaking ugly. But it doesn't surprise me one bit. You know, that's I guess that's NASCAR's way of, you know, it's all about money, folks. That's what it's all about. So like I said, last night at Daytona International Speedway, the NASCAR Xfinity Series got underway with A.J. Allmendinger and Noah Gregson on the front row. Man, what a role A.J. Allmendinger is on. And Dale Earnhardt Jr. said it himself on the podcast this past Tuesday that you know A.J. at 39, almost 40 years old, all the ups and downs that he has had in NASCAR, as the season has progressed, he's slowly become like one of the favorites for this championship. Aside from, obviously, Austin Sendrick, the defending NASCAR Xfinity Series champion. And then, of course, Justin Allgaier, who drives for Dale Earnhardt Jr. I mean, AJ has definitely asserted himself as one of the strong, strong favorites in this championship. I mean, winning the cup race on the Indianapolis road course, then last Saturday at Michigan International Speedway, dominating that race, leading over 70 laps, and going on to beat Brandon Jones and Noah Gregson for the win. It's definitely one of the feel-good stories of 2021, aside from obviously Kyle Larson. But like I said, the race got underway. A.J. Allmendinger and Noah Gregson. And A.J. did a really, really good job of controlling this race. I mean, really, the only action that happened last night was Brandon Jones, his engine overheating and blowing up. So he will be the only one that will not be rejoining the field when the resumption of the for the resumption of the Wawa 250 in just a little bit at Daytona International Speedway. Here is a look at the running order as we stand before we go back to green. AJ Allmendinger is leading, Christopher Bell in the 54 car is second, Myatt Snyder third, Austin Sindrick fourth, Brett Moffat rounds out the top five. Sixth is Justin Moneymaker Haley, seventh his teammate Jeb Burton, eighth is Daniel Hemrick, ninth Jeremy Clements, tenth Cesar Baccarella does a great job running these restrictor plate races in the Xfinity Series. Blaine Perkins in 11th, Josh Williams 12th, Colin Garrett 13th, Alex LeBay 14th, Justin Allgaier 15th, Harrison Burton 16th, 
Noah Gregson in 17th. Chase Briscoe in 18th, just a second Xfinity Series start of the year aside from Charlotte. Michael Annette getting back behind the one car for Junior Motorsports after missing a couple races because of that leg surgery. Josh Berry did one hell of a job driving that one car last Saturday at Michigan from dead last on the field, taking the lead, having an excellent battle with his teammate Justin Allgaier before finishing fourth. Tommy Joe Martins in 20th, Sam Mayer 21st, Brandon Brown in 22nd, Jordan Anderson 23rd, Jeffrey Earnhardt 24th, Landon Castle 25th, Colby Howard, J.J. Yaley, Joe Graff Jr., Matt Mills, and Spencer Boyd 30th. Kyle Weatherman, Ryan Vargas, Jade Buford, Jason White, Ryan Sieg, Riley Herbst, Tim Vaines, Mason Massey, David Starr, and like I said, the only car that is out of the race, Brandon Jones with a blown engine 17 laps in. So I think when we go back to green, I think we are definitely going to see, as we've seen the past year and a half, at these restrictor plate races in the Xfinity Series colleague racing. They do a great job working together, the three of them. Allgaier, Moneymaker Haley, Jeb Burton. Jeb Burton, he won the Xfinity race at Talladega back in April. Of course, Justin Haley last year, winning three of the four restrictor plate races in the Xfinity Series, the two Talladega races, and the summer race at Daytona last year when Ross Chastain and A.J. Allmendinger got together going into turn three on the last lap. Justin was right there to take advantage and win Jason Boone $63. <laughs> I think Junior Motorsports, I think they will definitely find a way to work together. Allgaier, Gregson, Annette. Not too sure about Sam Mayer given just his lack of experience at these races in the res as far as restrictor plates go. Obviously, his first Xfinity race on a restrictor plate track wasn't old enough to run Talladega back in April. And, of course, we can't forget about Austin Cendrick, how Austin, how he won the Xfinity race at Daytona in February and had a strong, strong car at Talladega back in April, finishing second to Jeb Burton when the rain rolled in and NASCAR obviously ran out of daylight. As far as Toyotas go, you have to look at Christopher Bell and Daniel Hemrick. Harrison Burton had a great run at Daytona in February, tied with, with Austin Cendrick for the most laps led, ended up finishing second to him. So... The great thing about Daytona is, like I said, you get guys, you get underdogs like Brett Moffitt, Jeremy Clements, Josh Williams, Alex LeBay. I mean, it's pretty much anyone can win this race, just like later tonight with the Cup Series. And, of course, you know, Chase Briscoe from the back of the field up to 18th, just 19 laps in. Briscoe ended up finishing third in this race last year. So, like I said, I mean, it's pretty much, it's pretty much anyone's race. I know that A.J. Allmendinger is on a roll right now. Like I said, winning the cup race on the Indianapolis road course and also winning last Saturday in the Xfinity Series at Michigan International Speedway. I would definitely have to say him, Austin Cindric, Justin Allgaier. I definitely see those three being a part of the championship four. That fourth driver definitely remains to be seen. So while A.J. Allmendinger might be leading this race, and like I said, Jeb Burton won at Talladega back in April. Jason Boone, I know you're going to love hearing this, man. I'm going with your boy, Justin Moneymaker Haley. He's been so close so many times this year. Finished third at the Indianapolis Road Course. Showed a lot of speed there. And definitely been an up-and-down year, too. Like I said, having to miss Dover because of COVID protocols. And also the announcement that he is moving up full-time to the Cup Series full-time in 2022 with Colleague Racing. I'm definitely taking... The number 11 of Justin Moneymaker Haley to finally get back to victory lane today in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. So, 
This past Sunday at Michigan International Speedway, Hendrick Motorsports teammates Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott on the front row. And sure enough, the two of them, like I said, the two of them really asserting themselves early on as the favorites. Aside from Matt Benedetto being a factor, Denny Hamlin being a factor, it was definitely looking like a Hendrick Motorsports kind of day with Larson and Elliott. And I think the one thing was with Larson, even though he led the most laps on the day with 70 laps, not really having that long run speed that you would expect. You know, Chase Elliott had it. He went on to win the first stage of the race. And it was definitely a Chevrolet dominant kind of day. When you look at Kyle Larson, when you look at Chase Elliott, William Byron, another one of their teammates. And I think another one that really surprised a lot of people on Sunday, not really surprised given how, how good he's always run at Michigan, but Austin Dillon. You know, you look at, like I said, Chase Elliott won the first stage. Kyle Larson was second. Austin Dillon was third. And at one point, he went up there and passed Kyle Larson for the lead. And it's definitely one of those situations, you know, Austin is on the outside looking in as far as the playoffs go. There's no other way that he can get in aside from winning. So one of the things that I love the most, like I said, it was, it's been, this year has been dominated by Hendrick Motorsports and Chevrolet. And a lot of times you have to go outside the box to try and beat them and to try some different kind of, different kind of strategy. And that's exactly what Ben Bayshore, Kyle Busch's crew chief, did this past Sunday, taking two left side tires before the end of the second stage, along with his teammate Christopher Bell and Kyle's old crew chief, Adam Stevens. You know, they pulled the same strategy. And Kyle would go on to win the first stage. Christopher Bell was second. Larson was third. Chase Elliott fourth. Denny Hamlin fifth. But that wasn't the big story. The big story at the end of stage two, side by side coming to the line, Austin Dillon, Brad Keselowski, Brad had it for a moment. Austin tried to side draft him, hit him a couple times going down the straightaway. And Brad was trying to side draft him back and trying to get that position on him. So they crossed the finish line. And the start finish line at Michigan, when you go down on that apron, like a lot of people do, you'll notice this giant bump, like right at the start finish line. Austin Dillon hit that bump, and when he hit that bump, it propelled him into Brad Keselowski's car. And you know the physics, folks. You know when a right rear quarter panel and a left front fender get together, someone is getting turned into the wall. And that's exactly what happened to Austin Dillon. Hard, hard shot into the wall. And a vicious-looking crash, but thank God he was okay. What annoyed me was, like I said, he got out of the car. And Brad Keselowski comes over the radio and immediately to his new spotter, TJ Majors, who's going to follow him over to Rash Fenway in 2022, it seems like. You know, Brad said, he's like, man, he's like, I didn't mean to do that. He's like, he's like, why did he come up like that? Damn it. You know, what's one thing that we've, we've come to see over the past decade or so, folks? Richard Childress, Austin Dillon's grandfather. Always, always blaming it on someone else. When you clearly see Austin Dillon hit that bump, propel up into Brad Keselowski, and like I said, right rear, left front, it was bound to happen. And immediately Richard comes over the radio and says, I might be an old man, but I'll still kick his ass. Richard, I hope you realize 
how much of a jackass you've made out of yourself this past decade or so. Always go, like I said, always wanting to pick a fight for, for your grandkids, whether it was Austin, whether it was Ty, but Austin especially. Look at the damn replay. All right? Look at the replay. And like I said, he hits that bump. Brad was, was right there on his quarter panel. Like, do you really think one of the most experienced drivers in the sport, our 2012 champion, the brightest man in the garage area, do you really think for one split second that as Brad's going down that front straightaway that he thought, you know what, I'm just going to hook Austin head on in the wall. Watch the damn replay and for once hold your grandson accountable. You know, and you wonder, and you wonder why people like Kevin Harvick left. You know, Kevin said it himself. Just a couple weeks before he left at the end of 2013, he said, this is exactly the reason why I'm leaving RCR. You know, he said he got these kids coming up and they have no respect for what they do in the sport and they've had everything fed to them with a spoon. And it's just sickening. Like I said, it's, it's sickening how you want to pick a fight when really, in reality, it should be your grandson. Leave it up to him. If he has a problem with Brad Keselowski, Go to Brad Keselowski, discuss it, hash it out, instead of making a complete ass out of yourself as usual. That's what it all boils down to. You know, Tony Kanaan, I'll never forget, it was back in 2007, the IndyCar race at Watkins Glen, and it was him and Sam Horns Jr. They got into an argument on pit road after the race was over, and it turned into a confrontation. And Sam's dad, Sam Hornish Sr., got in the middle of it. And, you know, for Tony... The sad thing is for Tony Kanaan, he lost his father when he was only 13 years old because of cancer. But my point is, he said it himself, he said, that's why dad should be in the grandstands and not in the pits. Same applies to Tom Logano, Joey Logano's father. How embarrassing is it when you're wanting to pick a fight for your son or you're wanting to start a fight for your grandson? Leave it up to them. Settle driver to driver, not getting family involved and making a complete ass out of yourself like you've done over the past decade or so, Richard. You know, I could guarantee you, I'm sure if Dale Earnhardt Sr. was alive, you really think if someone had a problem with Dale Earnhardt Jr., you think that he'd be stepping right in the middle of it and wanting to pick a fight for Dale Jr.? Hell no. He would tell him, he's like, you go up there and you settle amongst yourselves. Just, like I said, just a complete travesty. Complete travesty the way, the way that Richard Childress has acted this past decade or so especially. You know, never, never blaming your grandson, never holding him accountable whatsoever. And then to say, I might be an old man, but I can kick his ass. Well, you want to know something, Richard? You may think in the back of your mind that, you know, you're, you're such a tough guy and everything. But I think at the end of the day, I think it just shows that, like how classless you really are. Coming from the same person that lied right to Martha Earnhardt's face saying, oh, I'll never run the three again, but you bring it back 12 years later for your spoiled grandson. Nothing, like I said, nothing like lying to an elderly woman who, who lost her son and, you know, saying you're never going to bring the three back, but you bring it back anyway. Doing the alligator tears at, at the press conference saying how Austin was like, Pappy, I want to run the three or pop-pop, whatever the hell they call them. Just a complete embarrassment to the sport when you think of it. Anyway, getting back to the action on the track, like I said, Kyle Larson, by far the car to beat this past Sunday. And from that point on, like I said, from that point on, it looked like he had this race in control. And then the sequence of green flag pit stops began. And once again, 
the strategy by William Byron and Rudy Fugel to leapfrog their teammate, Kyle Larson and Cliff Daniels. And it really, really looked like William was in control of this race. And then lap 181, just 19 laps to go, caution flag for rain. And that restart, once they finally got back green, once they finally got back green with about 12, 13 laps to go, the restarts of Michigan have always been absolutely insane. And Joey Logano, once again, blocking Tyler Reddick, four wide going down into turn three. Just a complete, like I said, a completely stupid move. And washing all the way up the track. And I think Martin Trex Jr., we know about the bad blood that him and Joey have had for several years. I think it was to the point that Martin was like, I'm just not going to take this crap anymore. And he got in the back of Joey. Joey spins around. Ryan Newman hits him in the door, and his day was over with just 12 laps to go. But the one thing with Michigan is, even though I've always preferred that outside line for the start and the restarts, we have the choose rule now. And Ryan Blaney, like I said, Ryan had a good car after it was so loose at the beginning of that race. And he saw everyone was taking the top. He figured, what the hell? I'm going to go down to the bottom. This might be my only shot to win this race. And, man, Blaney got an excellent push from Kyle Busch on that restart, drove it down into turn one as hard as he could, and was able to clear William Byron for the lead with just eight laps to go. And no matter how much William Byron and Kyle Larson, no matter how much they tried to gang up on Blaney, it's like I said, this 550 horsepower high downforce package, you can't pass anyone. It's dirty air versus cleaner. You have that clean air, even though Ryan Blaney by far did not have the best car on Sunday. Just being out there and having that clean air, he was able to hold off William Byron and Kyle Larson. And for the first time in Ryan Blaney's career, a multi-win season, first time ever, he's won at least two races on the year. Pocono 2017, Charlotte Roval 2018, Talladega 2019 and 2020, won at Atlanta in March. Like I said, finally, a multi-win season for Ryan Blaney, the sixth of his career and the first, obviously, at Michigan. And this is big, like I said, his crew chief, Todd Gordon. This is Todd's last season as a crew chief. He's going to retire at the end of the year. At four wins at Michigan International Speedway, three with Joey Logano, one with Ryan Blaney. William Byron was second, Kyle Larson third, Kurt Busch fourth, Denny Hamlin rounding out the top five. Matt DiBenedetto once again too little too late as far as staying in that 21 car for 2022. He finished sixth, Kyle Busch in seventh, Chase Elliott eighth, Brad Keselowski ninth, and Martin Trex Jr. rounding out the top ten. Eleventh was Chase Briscoe, 12th Ricky Stenhouse Jr., 13th Christopher Bell, 14th Kevin Harvick. 15th, Chris Buescher, and 16th was Alex Bowman. Then the two, Eric's, Almarola and Jones, 18th, 17th, and 18th. Bubba Wallace, 19th. Michael McDowell, 20th. Ryan Priest, 21st. Daniel Suarez, 22nd. Cole Custer, another disastrous run in 23rd. Ryan Newman, 24th. Justin Moneymaker Haley in 25th. Josh Berry, filling in for Corey LaJoy, was 26th. Had a strong run going before getting caught up in that accident with Joey Logano and Ryan Newman. Cody Ware, 27th, B.J. McLeod, 28th, Tyler Reddick had a tire go down, spun out with six laps to go, and once again, inconsistency from race control, no caution flag. Quinn Huff in 30th, Josh Balicki, 31st, Garrett Smithley, 32nd, Joey Logano out of the race with crash damage, 12 laps to go in 33rd, 
Anthony Alfredo, 34th. Ross Chastain, 48 laps down in 35th, broken axle. And because of that, his car chief has been suspended from tonight's race. And two cars out of the race because of accidents, Austin Dillon and Joey Gase. So we move ahead to tonight. 15 of the 16 playoff spots have been clinched. Obviously, right at the top, Kyle Larson. Five wins on the year, 37 playoff points. Second is Denny Hamlin. Only five playoff points on the year. The regular season championship comes down to those two. Third, Kyle Busch. Two wins on the year, 15 playoff points. Fourth in the championship is William Byron. The win at Miami, eight playoff points. Fifth is his teammate Chase Elliott. Two wins on the year with 12 playoff points. Martin Trex Jr. all the way down at sixth. Three wins on the year, 20 playoff points, but it's been a long time since they won. Mother's Day at Darlington. Ryan Blaney in seventh. Two wins on the year, 14 playoff points. His teammate Joey Logano. One win on the year with nine playoff points. Kevin Harvick clinched a spot no matter, despite a disastrous year so far. No playoff points on the field. Brad Keselowski has clinched a spot. One win on the year. Talladega back in April, seven playoff points. Alex Bowman, career year, three wins and 15 playoff points. Kurt Busch, the win at Atlanta with eight playoff points. Christopher Bell, the win on the Daytona Road Course, the first of his career, five playoff points. So, like I said, and of course we can't forget about Michael McDowell, our Daytona 500 champion, five playoff points, and Eric Almarola, the win at New Hampshire that arguably saved his career, five playoff points. So, one playoff spot left available, and it belongs to the number eight of Tyler Reddick. And what makes this all interesting is Tyler Reddick drives for Richard Childress Racing. And as we just discussed, who is the grandfather of Austin Dillon, Richard Childress, who's the first driver on the outside looking in, Austin Dillon. Obviously, it's going to make for a very, very interesting night at Daytona. So like I said, the drivers that have clinched playoff spots so far, Kyle Larson, Martin Trex Jr., Alex Bowman, Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott, Ryan Blaney, William Byron, Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, Kurt Busch, Christopher Bell, Michael McDowell, Eric Amarola, Denny Hamlin, and Kevin Harvick. Even though they're winless on the year, they've accumulated enough points. Tyler Reddick, like I said, the 16th and final spot as of right now. His teammate Austin Dillon in 17th, 25 points behind. So obviously, if Tyler gets caught up in a wreck, Austin can make it in even without winning the race. But the drivers... In the top, obviously, you have to be in the top 30 in points in order to qualify and win a race. The drivers that have to get in and can only get in by winning. Matt DiBenedetto, Chris Buescher, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Ross Chastain, Bubba Wallace, Chase Briscoe, Eric Jones, Daniel Suarez, Ryan Newman, Ryan Priest, Cole Custer, Corey LaJoy, and Anthony Alfredo. Everyone from 31st on back, they have no mathematical shot whatsoever. So tonight, the Coke Zero Sugar 400 at Daytona International Speedway. Green flag approximately 7.45 p.m. And in the booth, the 20th anniversary of his triumphant return to Daytona after, to Daytona after losing his father on the last lap of the Daytona 500, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Obviously, the Earnhardts, 
51 total wins at the Daytona International Speedway, 34 by Dale Sr., 17 by Dale Jr., but arguably, without a doubt, the biggest one of Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s career, that 2001 Pepsi 400 back in July, the first time back to Daytona after losing his father and really asserting himself for the final 16 years of his career as the guy to beat at Daytona. And that call by Alan Bestwick, NASCAR and NBC's first race, that call that he made, arguably the greatest call in all of NASCAR history, when he said it's going to be Dale Earnhardt Jr. using lessons learned from his father to go from 6th to 1st and score the victory in the Pepsi 400. And it gives you chills every time you watch that race. I mean, I'm getting chills right now as, as I'm talking about it. And the late great Benny Parsons, you know, obviously when you're in the TV booth, you're taught to be, you're taught to be non-biased. But Benny even, even said it that night as Dale Jr. crossed the finish line. He said, yes. And when he said during the post-race show, he's like, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I shed a tear tonight. But four points I was going to say a total of four points wins at the Daytona International Speedway for Dale Earnhardt Jr., the 2001 Pepsi 400, the 2004 Daytona 500, and the 2014 Daytona 500 with another one of his, another one of his colleagues in the booth tonight, Steve Latart. He was the crew chief for Dale Earnhardt Jr. that night, his final season as a crew chief. And Dale Jr. would go on to win one more points race at Daytona International Speedway in July of 2015, this time with Greg Ives, that beautiful black, red, white, and blue paint scheme that Nationwide put together for that race that night. Of course, finishing at almost 3 o'clock in the morning. Joining them in the booth is Jeff Burton. Jeff won the July 2000 Cup race at Daytona International Speedway, the final Cup race on CBS, and once again, Rick Allen handling play-by-play -play duties. So taking a look at the starting lineup for tonight's Coke Zero Sugar 400, and that's the thing, like, it just doesn't feel the same. It's not the Firecracker 400 anymore. It's not 4th of July weekend like it always was from 1959 to 2019. On the poll, to no surprise, is the number 5 Chevrolet of Kyle Larson. But folks, he'll be the first to tell you Daytona is not his cup of tea. Five top tens there. A best finish of 6th in the 2016 Daytona 500. And he did finish 10th there in his debut for Hendrick Motorsports back in February, but obviously caught up in the massive accident at the end of that race. Second is his teammate, Chase Elliott. And Chase, or excuse me, second is his teammate, William Byron. And William, who could forget last year, he's the defending winner of this race, the very first win of his career, a must-win situation for Willie B., and the final win for Chad Knauss as a crew chief. After all those years with Jimmy Johnson, not too long after William Byron won that race, clinching his first ever playoff berth, the first ever win of his career, <clears throat> Chad Knauss eventually deciding to step down and become vice president of competition for Hendrick Motorsports. And obviously, I mean, what, what a role they have been on ever since. And then, of course, starting third, and fourth, the two Gibbs teammates, Denny Hamlin, three wins at Daytona International Speedway, but they are all in the Daytona 500, 2016, 2019, and 2020. Fourth is Kyle Busch, and Kyle, he'll be the first to tell you, restrictor plate racing, not his cup of tea either. One win at Daytona International Speedway in a points race, that was July of 2008, his first year with Joe Gibbs Racing. 
Fifth is Chase Elliott. Chase finally started to have some better luck at Daytona. Finishing second in this race last year and second in the Daytona 500 to Michael McDowell. Sixth is Ryan Blaney. Ryan has finished second twice in the Daytona 500, 2017 and 2020. Seventh is Martin Trex Jr. Martin, he'll be the first to tell you, Daytona, not his cup of tea either. Even though he did win a Bush race there in 2005 for Dale Earnhardt Jr., the success in the Cup Series, there hasn't been much. Finishing second to Denny Hamlin in the 2016 Daytona 500 by inches, but other than that, always seems to get caught up in a wreck at Daytona. Eighth is Kurt Busch, our 2017 Daytona 500 champion. Ninth is Matt Benedetto. Starting 10th is Brad Keselowski, the July 2016 winner at Daytona. But once again, even with all the success that Brad has had at Talladega, it just seems like that same luck cannot transfer over to Daytona International Speedway. We all know about the reckless move by Joey Logano on the last lap of the Daytona 500 going into turn three when he cut Brad off. Brad hit the wall head on, the car caught on fire, and his chance, Joey Logano's chance, Austin Sendrick, Kyle Busch, whole bunch of good cars torn up because, of, once again, Joey Logano's reckless driving. Starting 11th is Kevin Harvick, our 2007 Daytona 500 champion, also won the July race there in 2010, driving for Richard Childress Racing. 12th is Ricky Stenhouse Jr., the July 2017 Daytona winner. 13th is Chris Buescher. Chris finished third in the 2020 Daytona 500. 14th is Christopher Bell. Like I said, he won at Daytona in February, but it was on the road course. Alex Bowman in 15th. Alex, two top tens at Daytona, but been involved in seven accidents. Seven races in a row that he's been involved in an accident at Daytona. 16th is Chase Briscoe. 17th, Tyler Reddick. And 18th, our Daytona 500 champion this year, Michael McDowell. Eric Amarola in 19th, the first one of his career, July of 2014 at Daytona. Granted, it was in the rain, but it was great to see the 43 back in victory lane. 20th is Bubba Wallace. Like I said, Bubba was so strong back in February, the debut for 23XI. Starting in 21st is Eric Jones. Eric, the first cup win of his career, July of 2018 at Daytona. 22nd is Car 22, Joey Logano, the 2015 Daytona 500 champion. Another Daytona 500 champion to follow, 2008, Ryan Newman. He will be starting in 23rd. 24th is Ryan Priest. 25th, Cole Custer. 26th is Daniel Suarez. 27th, the 2018 Daytona 500 champion, Austin Dillon. 28th is Justin Moneymaker Haley. Like I said, the Xfinity win at Daytona August of last year. 29th is Ross Chastain. An Xfinity win at Daytona as well, July of 2019. 30th is B.J. McLeod, 31st is Cody Ware, 32nd, Anthony Alfredo, 33rd, Corey LaJoy, his father Randy, won three Bush Series races at Daytona, 1997, 1999, 2001. 34th is Garrett Smithley, 35th, Quinn Huff, 36th, Josh Balicki, 37th, Joey Gase, 38th, Kaz Gralla, driving the 16 for Colleague Racing, finished 6th at Talladega back in April, just losing out on a top five to Matt Benedetto by inches. 39th, Landon Castle makes his return to the Cup Series, driving the 96 for Gaunt Brothers Racing. And 40th on the field is David Starr in the 66 car for Carl Long. So 160 laps, of course, with Daytona, you know, no matter when it's February, whether it was 4th of July weekend, now the end of August, you always have to worry about rain at Daytona, those pop-up showers, 160 laps tonight 
stage one, lap 50, stage two, lap 100. Of course, the magic number is lap 80 if rain were to be a factor. So the big battle besides the 16th playoff spot is Kyle Larson and Denny Hamlin. Like I said, Kyle, restrictor plate racing, not his cup of tea. He has crashed out of five cup races at the Daytona International Speedway, one of them being his first, his first two Daytona 500s, for that matter, 2014 and 2015. And then, of course, had a shot to win in 2017, almost went, went up in the air, almost went over someone's roof. It's definitely not been his style of racing. Denny Hamlin, on the other hand, you can make the argument, probably the best restrictor plate driver out there right now. The three cup wins in the Daytona 500 and also two cup wins at Talladega. So obviously that battle, 28 points separating the two. If Denny Hamlin wins this race and Kyle Larson gets caught up in an accident and finishes somewhere down in the 30s, that regular season championship is Denny Hamlin's. So Kyle... Kyle cannot hang at the back of the pack like we see some drivers do at Daytona, trying to avoid the accidents. We know that Denny, Denny loves being up front. He loves controlling the race, just like Dale Earnhardt Jr. loved to do, just like Brad Keselowski used to do before getting caught up in many wrecks at Daytona. I have a feeling that, like I said, Larson, he's going to have to stay up front because Denny, like I said, Denny, he wants to be out front. He wants to control that race. We know at some point or another, like I said, all the manufacturers are going to be working together, him, Kyle Busch, Martin Trex Jr., Bell, Bubba with Toyota, the Chevrolets, like I said, Larson, Byron, Elliott, Bowman, even the RCR Chevys, they'll be working together. And, of course, the Fords, like I said, Brad Keselowski, Matt Benedetto, Blaney, Logano, Busher. You know, that's just the way that Daytona and Talladega is. And I think with Brad, I think I could see him drop into the back early on, maybe for a little bit, if he feels like things are going to get a little hairy, a little chaotic. And, but I feel very strong about Brad's chances for tonight. And you want to know why? It's the X factor. TJ Majors. Like I said, TJ in the last episode, nobody does a better job spotting at restricted plate races than TJ Majors. He was with Dale Earnhardt Jr. when they won the 2014 Daytona 500. And then in 2015, the May race at Talladega and the 4th of July race at Daytona. Listen to him call a race and the way that Dale Jr. or Joey Logano, the way that they were able to make moves, block one lane, block another. And, of course, he won at Talladega in April of 2018 with Joey Logano. So I have a good, good feeling about Brad Keselowski's chances for tonight. But like I said, I think that Denny Hamlin, I that team is him, Chris Gabehart, that number 11 FedEx Toyota team, they're too good of a team to go winless during the regular season. And Denny, like I said, Denny – dominated the Daytona 500 back in February, winning both stages, almost leading half the race, almost leading 100 laps on the night. I definitely see him being out front and controlling this race and controlling the field, like I said. Ultimately, it's all about survival at Daytona. And, of course, the one great thing about Daytona is, like I said, guys, there's guys that know the only way that they could get in is if they win. And I look at Ricky Stenhouse Jr. starting in 12th. Hendrick Motorsports equipment somewhat. You, you look at guys like Briscoe. You look at Bubba Wallace, Eric Jones, Ryan Newman. You know, like I said, these guys know the only way to get in is if they win. And Austin Dillon, like I said, I'm just very, very curious how that's going to go down. Austin is a good restrictor plate racer. Tyler Reddick, as far as the Cup Series, he's still learning. 
you know, back in February, think about this. So 25 points separate those two for the final spot. Back in February, Austin Dillon, he won the qualifying, the second qualifying race Thursday night for the Daytona 500. Led seven laps on the night, 48 points on the night, more than any other driver. Tyler Reddick, on the other hand, Tyler was caught up in the big one early on, finishing 12 laps down and 27th, only 10 points on the night. Like I said, if I were Tyler, I would definitely be worried knowing how good his teammate Austin Dillon is at Daytona. But like I said, it's all about survival. And as we've seen the past several years especially, who causes more accidents at Daytona, aside from Ricky Stenhouse Jr., it's Joey Logano. And we know how bad Joey is when it comes to blocking, when it comes to blocking his own teammates. And I have a feeling I'm going to say lap 124 going down to turn one, Joey Logano is going to do a bad, bad block on someone. He's going to cut someone off. And the next thing you know, at least 16 cars are going to pile in. That's my prediction for tonight. When you look at Tyler Reddick so far, you know, Tyler had a shot to win this race last year, but it was a must-win situation. And he got up into Kyle Busch, and that's the thing. Tyler, his four cup races at Daytona, he's crashed out of three of them. And even the fourth one, he was involved in an accident back in the, day, the Daytona 500, even though it wasn't his fault. So that is definitely one of the biggest battles that I'm going to notice throughout the night and keep an eye on. But ultimately, in the end... I'm going to go with Denny Hamlin winning tonight's Coke 400 at the Daytona International Speedway, but I don't think it's going to be enough for the regular season championship. I think Kyle Larson runs a very smart race, but still manages to avoid the carnage and take home the regular season championship in the 15 playoff points that go along with it. So Denny Hamlin, my pick to go to victory lane. Kyle Larson, my pick for the regular season championship. And as far as that 16th spot goes, if, and I mean if, he avoids all the carnage, I think that Tyler Reddick holds on to that 16th and final spot. I know there's some guys, like I said, Stenhouse, he's going to give it his all, but I, I just have a feeling that he might cause an accident tonight like he's done at Daytona before. Busher is going to be very, very strong if he doesn't get torn up. Briscoe, maybe. Like I said, he's still learning restrictor plate racing. Bubba Wallace. Bubba, like I said, he was leading with two laps to go in this race last year. When Joey Logano and Denny Hamlin got together going down to turn one and caused a huge accident. Eric Jones, like I said, Eric is another one. But ultimately, like I said, Denny Hamlin to win tonight. Kyle Larson for the regular season championship. And Tyler Reddick, the 16th and final spot in the playoff field. That will do it for episode 75 of Jake's Take. I appreciate you guys tuning in. And next week, the playoffs begin at one of my favorite tracks, one of my favorite races of the year, the Southern 500 at Darlington. Have a great day. Enjoy the race. Y'all take it easy.